We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Saturday morning, or I guess afternoon now. Um, we just took in the exit interviews with all the players that spoke uh, for the Wolves after they had their exit interview with Chris Finch. They, they spoke to the media. Finch himself spoke to the media. Sasha Gupta spoke. So I asked Britt Robson uh, of Men Post to come on and kind of decipher this all rather than me having to go through a million different audio clips and uh and plug them in there so Britt, let's just uh let's just start by what today and probably you know 60 70 minutes of quotes from the players more than that actually a couple hours right um what, what stood out to you today i thought pat bev was really strong with his opinions on what needed to happen in the future i thought ants enthusiasm and overall approach, no surprise, is inspiring. I thought Delo's uh, duck and weave approach to analyzing what happened in the playoffs and in the regular season, and then his passive aggressiveness uh, regarding how we felt about the team um, stuck out. And I thought that um, the... Part of it is you can't really address certain matters because saying it flat out hurts your negotiating position going forward, hurts you with your players by inference. Right. I I I wish there had been a little bit more straightforward talk about exactly what this team needs because everybody knows it. You know, we see it. Opposing GMs would see it. Agents will see it. I mean, you know, there, there are things that they need, and I don't think that was completely addressed. I thought that was dressed up a little bit as, ah, you know, we'll be fine if we just grow. Let's hit on that deal part first, because I do think that will be, um, you know, a, a topic that kind sure. of, you know, maybe consumes this offseason a bit as we as we talk about the Wolves. I, I talked with Kyle about it last night a little with kind of the caveat that I, I feel like I really need to think about it because um, always in any situation, the answer is never with a bullet, trade them. You right. know? And I think that will be in, in a moment of, of frustration after the series that D'Lo had. That's what, that's what 
people will be saying. I, I need to think more about what D'Lo did this year. Uh, think about the ups of the season and not get caught in the downs so as to effectively, you know, in my own head, evaluate him. And then plus a huge part of if you do want to take down the trade path. I mean, we've been here before with with Andrew Wiggins, right? Like it is not as simple as just saying trade him, particularly for a player who's making, you know, $30 million. So it's an it's an extremely nuanced conversation. So I don't mean to like totally put you no, on, no. on on the spot there with that. I'm happy to be on the spot. But uh but yeah, I mean maybe maybe give a little bit of reflection of what you what you saw in this playoff series from him and, and what you think his role can be and should be going forward on well, this. Team. I'll take a broader canvas just because I think coming into this season I was not a DLO guy. And uh I was impressed with the way he adapted to the high wall, low man, whatever you want to call it, defense. Feels like we've really nailed that down as high wall. They're now referring to it as that. I feel like we yeah. called it low man at the beginning yeah, of the year. Yeah, screw people up. Right? We're learning new words. So let's call it high wall, and let's say that his off ball was impressive in that regard. Um, and I would say that his clutch scoring, he obviously did not shoot well for three and a half quarters uh, through most of the first half, but was shooting really well on the in the clutch. Um, and I thought his... Uh, play creation was good. Um, I think after the All-Star break, um, I began to trend in the direction I felt about D'Lo before the season started, which is that he is overrated and that um, he could be a problem as opposed to just uh, a slight burden. Um, In the playoffs, I think it was very obvious that he was uncomfortable. I think that he burned Memphis for 31 points a game in the four games, and they put Dylan Brooks on him, which he didn't have in those other games. Dylan Brooks is a beast on on ball defense, and D'Lo was not hot coming into the playoffs anyway. So I think that combination of factors hurt him. I was impressed with his on ball defense through most of the playoffs. I thought, yeah, I was too. Isolate this guy, and you're going to have fun. And instead, you know, opening first play of the game last night, he stole the ball from Desmond Bain. I, I think the problems were more oddly off-ball in this series. It was. It, it, this is going to be a kind of stupid comparison, but there, there's so much talk around Rudy Gobert. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and his job, you know, during the regular season is – is to protect the rim right. and in, in the playoffs more often he's put in kind of an off ball spread out to the corner situation. And everybody wants to say like, Oh, Rudy gets exposed in those situations. What I think it is with Rudy is he has it like baked into his DNA to shade towards the rim. And, and, and it's, that's a hard thing to like rewire for him to both be that rim defender or maybe give up being the rim defender. So as to get out on that corner shooter and in a weird way, off-ball Delos roles in that setup, five out, is, is kind of similar where his his baked into his DNA this season is to be off-ball, to be that free safety, to be the low man and the help. And I think particularly early in the season or in the series, um, he was fighting that being as this is what I do, but I'm also guarding Desmond Bain right. in, in the corner. And so in an odd way, the success I feel like he had off-ball defensively this season kind of hurt him 
in being able to effectively guard in this series. And also, Bain was cooking early and Memphis needed Bain. So yeah. therefore, all of a sudden, it became a stream of offense toward Desmond Bain. I don't think going into the series, anybody thought that Bain, they thought he might be among the top two scorers or maybe even you know right up there with Ja. But in terms of shot attempts and in terms of efficiency, he was off the charts. He had a, he, he would have won the trophy if there was such a thing for that series. I thought he was the best player in or the series. Or shared it with Brandon Clark. Huh? Shared it with Brandon no, Clark. No, I think that I think that <laughs> yeah. uh, Desmond Bain, I mean, I love Brandon Clark. You know that. I mean, I, I, I would love, I, if you gave me a choice as to who would be on the team, I'd even have a hard time, even though Bain would obviously be better. Um, the point being, though, is that Delo's problems are the kinds of problems that the casual fan and even the regular fan who isn't predisposed toward Delo can identify immediately. Yeah. And so they know they're on firm ground criticizing Delo for this thing. And they are. I mean, the dude shot like 25% from two-point range. You yeah. know, you can't have that when you're a guy like Delo who likes to get cute inside the arc. That's part of his game. Um, I also think he began to lose confidence down the stretch. I think that the Jordan McLaughlin boomlet hurt him. Nobody's fault there, just the way it was. Jordan McLaughlin clearly outplayed him. Jordan McLaughlin played the type of offense that Chris Finch likes to play, and that, to me, is the biggest challenge moving forward in terms of Delo's future. I asked him about it in an oblique way because you can't just say, you know, would you prefer J-Mac to Delo <laughs> at the point? Um, and he, Finch, to be on the record, specifically said J-Mac is a great backup point guard. He's not trying to make any coups happen at the point guard <laughs> position. But Delo is not a fast pace, move the ball, move without the ball point guard. That's not his way. He's a cat and mouse guy. He's like Jeff Teague in that respect, yeah. you know? And that's not what Finch likes. Finch likes bang, bang, bang. Finch, Finch likes to get things out. Well, but he talks about the flow all the time, right? And, and specifically to Carl, once Carl started getting double teamed so much more, loaded up on, or Ant getting loaded up on, he what he kept saying is, because Ant and Cat are getting so much attention, we need to find them in the flow. And what happened with a bullet in in that in the series was they found those guys in the flow substantially more when Jordan McLaughlin was on the floor. So it's it's even more than the little pesky steals and the oh the little guys running up the floor. No, it's pace in the half court that right. Jordan McLaughlin brings to it. Well, not so only valid. that, but it's bounce passes off the drive. Yeah, name me the last time D'Lo wended his way through two guys and then dished a bounce pass to a cutter from the baseline. It just doesn't happen very often. Right. I mean, maybe somebody can come up with like a handful of plays since the All-Star break. But I saw J-Mac do two of them in a row for just slam dunks against a Memphis team that was desperately trying to claw back. Right. Um, that's his natural part of his game. Jordan McLaughlin's natural game and Chris Finch's natural inclinations line up better than anybody on the roster. D'Lo has to fight that because it isn't D'Lo's natural inclinations. Right. Um, when D'Lo isn't playing well, um, and when D'Lo is seeing Cat and Ant 
get more of the usage, more of the crunch time usage. And in the non-crunch time usage, seeing a backup point guard who at the beginning of the season was an 11th man, getting minutes over him in the closing moments of a closeout game, he's going to walk into the season-ending press conference salty. But D'Lo knows enough about himself and also is a natural gnomic kind of guy who just won't say right. what he wants to say and specifically told people that I will not say what's on my mind because I want to think it through and so on and so forth. And I can't remember who, who there's a couple of questions that unlocked his ire a little bit. Um, and one was about Ant essentially needing to grow up and learn what to do right in the clutch. And Finch echoed some of that in his stuff. But D'Lo exhibited cat-like lack of self-awareness by criticizing Ant as D'Lo after game six. Mm-hmm. Ant is clearly stamping himself as the future of this team and D'Lo has to hope that he can figure out a good way to compliment Ant with his skill set. That's the name of the game right now for the Wolves. That's the role available. That's the role available. And meanwhile, that's not necessarily the role of a $30 million guy who wants more. Right. I, I do think it's important to acknowledge kind of like the con- counter positive, which is that if you magically deleted D'Lo from the roster and Jordan McLaughlin did join the starting lineup and right. that was just a one-for-one replacement, I know it wouldn't be that simple, but if you did, in ways that would hurt this team. Dylan too. Brooks on Jordan McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's <laughs> it's also if you were to amp up J-Mac's role, you know, Right. There comes greater responsibilities with that. There becomes greater scoring expectations. Right. And while D'Angelo isn't always an efficient shooter and scorer, he does have the ability to create his shot individually more often than J-Mac does. Now, there's the question of how much individual isolation creation do you even want on this right. team? Right. Can we just play faster and get lower the isolation volume across the board? Sure. But I think we can both praise Jordan McLaughlin, acknowledge he needs a role, acknowledge that it probably was the right move to close the game with him. Yeah, and well, also that's say, a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. But I don't want to get in my head, at least right now, completely that it's like time to move on from DeAndre Russell. I, because it I might absolutely not, agree. Because it, it might not happen. Well, not only that, that, there's a lot of factors involved. Yeah. D'Lo was not a value salary coming into this season and as much as diehard Wolves watchers noticed his positive impact on the team in in especially like when they started humming before the all-star break like in that January time um his overall numbers and what he just presented on a national stage and his past reputation all conspire mm-hmm. to make him an very undervalued player right now. Right. And so if you're looking to trade with that size number next to his name, 
you are going to lose that trade in terms of value. You're going to lose it. Again, we've been here before. Right. The, what did it cost to get cost off of deal. Andrew Wiggins? <laughs> it cost him deal, and it cost him the seventh know, overall pick, and it cost him a, a you Kuminga, know right. a, a second. You know, like there there is there is cost associated with the idea of quote unquote giving up on something right. that that you're invested in and giving up on that investment. I guess my main point is that is not a no brainer to just. To, to just do that. Absolutely not. Now, here's what I will say. As a medium step, instead of this, give him the hook, you know, get rid of him. He's a bum, which is, you know, let's face it. Some of that just slides from, you know, cat to D'Lo every now and then. There's some man hate, you know, it's, yeah. it's just a mixture. It's social media. I think there is a way to utilize the last year of D'Lo to have J-Mac in the mix and to have the, the gap filled by better play creation from him. Mm. I think that's the that's way well to go. Yeah. That three-pronged strategy, have J-Mac in the mix from the jump as a backup point guard, maybe a 15-minute guy. A lot of teams do that split. Look at Memphis. Yeah. I think 33-15 is fine there. And in those 33 minutes, um, maybe even mix in some Pat Bev D'Lo, but also J-Mac D'Lo. Right. And then also have Ant, maybe instead of D'Lo, work with the second unit and be a play creator. I've always been intrigued by that. And the numbers are actually in, in, intriguing on that as well. Well, and also it maybe it gets them with McLaughlin. I mean, that's that's a. I mean, not. I mean, <laughs> with the McDaniel's, that's a. Yeah. That's a. Yep. That's an interesting conversation too. But yeah, I mean, it, so to sum up, in my opinion, Dio should not be ripped for being passive aggressively salty because he had cause. Whether or not the cause is outside forces, right, conspiring him, no. Most of it, a lot of it is brought on on himself for his poor play. But you can't blame the guy for not feeling great and not feeling magnanimous after cratering in his playoff series. Right. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be back uh, with Britt here to um, talk about the other guys who spoke today at the exit interviews. Today's show is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions. As I mentioned before, 20 by 20 Solutions is a Minneapolis-based consultancy that works with growing organizations to create and sustain success. Whether it's technology, workflow, platform architecture, or more, they'll help you build a strategy that fits your goal and execute a plan that fits your resources. This basketball season, 20 by 20 has partnered with Begin Anew, a Minnesota-based nonprofit focused on helping people in their journeys to recover from addiction providing support and conversation to people throughout the process of recovery. 20 by 20 is sponsoring a donation campaign through the ScoreSide platform where you can tie your giving automatically to every rebound the Timberwolves grab this season. Go to 20by20solutions.com slash begin. That's 20x20solutions.com slash begin to install the ScoreSide app and look for the Rebounds for Recovery campaign and join the campaign. Support your team and your community with every board for the rest of the season. 20x20solutions.com slash begin. 20 by 20 solutions, your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back with Britt Robson of MinPost. 
discussing um, the end of the Timberwolves season, the exit interviews uh, that they that they had. Uh, Britt, I, I do want to get to Cat and Ant and and what they said, but also uh, I, I want to hit on Finch and Gupta first. Uh, we don't well, we, certainly Gupta we don't get to speak to as as much on the record as as right. the rest of these guys we're talking right. to almost every day. Um, so so with Gupta specifically, was there an angle of of his you know 18 minutes that he spoke today that that stood out to you no i think that gupta is um a close to the vest guy who says the he proves to you that he knows what you're saying and he knows the context of your question but he's not going to really answer it yeah. and and so while i respect the motivation and the methodology. Uh, it doesn't give me with a microphone in my hand a lot to talk about when it comes to <laughs> Sasha Gupta today. But you may have a different take. Yeah, I, I, I think the one quote or sequence of quotes that stood out was was him not saying that he felt uh, significant change needs to happen to this roster. Um, obviously not saying they're just going to roll it back out there, but he more implied, uh, you know, adjustments on the margins to to this team that that they can make, and and we, we can talk about those. But the implication of that quote and saying we have our foundation in place is that you have your foundation in place, and it would c- completely discredit the first eighteen minutes that we just spoke on, well, on this also, podcast about Daniel Russell. I think that's a political answer. Sure, um, I, I think I think yes and no. I think he doesn't know yet probably what they what they have to do in terms of establishing the core of this team and and the adjustments they may need to make or what those adjustments on the margins even are because the nature of that job is making those decisions based on the options that are available. Right. So I mean, yeah, we can all sit here and say and I will that you know, this team needs to add um a power forward or second big in the starting lineup that um, doesn't provide as many issues for Carl Anthony Towns. Sure. You know, we, we could talk about those things. I think he considers that actually, he said, I don't feel that the cat getting doubled in the post thing was as egregious of an issue as it was, you know, laid out to be, I, I don't think that they feel they have to play an offense with five shooters on, on the floor at all times. Gupta to Finch, as well and you're right there are certainly political elements of particularly when a president of basketball operations talks not just Sasha but right. but anyone where there's there's a whole lot of different you know angles there that they they need to account for and and I think he did but I think that was also I think it was also telling you want to come over here and get on the mic John yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I think it's political I think that um, Sasha knows as well as anybody that this team needs size to take another step. Yeah. I think if he says we need to address size, um, then that complicates what's going to happen. Um, but I do think at the trading deadline word was he went after size to some extent. Um, he is careful with his resources. He's not going to sell the store. 
when I asked him point blank whether or not he had to go over the luxury tax to really develop this kinds of things, he probably appropriately ducked it. Um, but at the end of the day, he also said the West is tougher. They're going to have to take two steps to get ahead of the other teams with one step. And the only way you take two steps, you may get one step with natural development of your youngsters, mm -hmm. but you're going to need to address. Let's think back to preseason and you were talking about the power forward position. They did a fabulous job of wallpapering that issue the entire season. But behind the wallpaper, there is still Mold. a fucking hole in the wall. And so it is up to the president of basketball operations not to have that happen a second season in a row. It was interesting how adamantly Chris Finch, you know, pined for for Sasha and Coop to, to be the president of basketball operations today when, when he was speaking. I mean, he he listed off a fat paragraph of why he wants to work with Sasha and Gupta going forward. And he stated that he has taken that opinion to ownership that he wants to work with Sasha Gupta. And that will I think there will be some frustration from I mean, he rolls with the punches. He'll roll with whatever happens. But it is on the record. And I think behind the wallpaper right. uh, his his hope that that Gupta is is back. Well, two things about that. First, anybody who knows Sasha Gupta, he gets points for being just an enormously compassionate, likable human being who also has a lot of bona fides for his position. But he empowers people. And he empowered Chris Finch at a time when Chris Finch wasn't as powerful as he is now. And Chris Finch isn't dumb. He right. knows... Hey, it's payback time, you know? I mean, I got to pretty much do what I wanted with some really good counsel from my interim Pobo, who probably wanted to make his own splash. I got a lot of the credit for this. We worked in tandem, hand in hand, throughout the entire season. I'm paid. My assistants are paid. This guy's still out hanging in the wind, yeah. it's time to make sure he gets paid. That all makes perfect sense to me, and I buy it. I mean, I've been, yeah. for all the, you know, I mean, I just ripped Sasha pretty good for his press conference performance, but that's a lot different than his Pobo performance. I think that as a guy who is running the roster, he's done a great job. And if he's got to be political with us for obvious reasons, you know, I mean, I'll rip it, but I don't begrudge him it. I think that, you know, I mean, that, that, that it's part of the job to some extent. It's better than, you know, a little bit of the hot air that you got out of Gerson, Rosas. So um, it will be interesting to me. I do think that Finch it has a little bit of rose-colored glasses when it comes to what Jaden McDaniels can do as a big. And... That was interesting. Yep. I mean, but he's he's always, even when he acknowledges that he's better at the three or acknowledges this, he can't resist. Um, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt 
this guy to just be banging his head against the wall sometimes about, you know, as hard as Vando works, some of the things that Vando does are just things that Finch has very little patience with. Ask Josh Okogi or ask, you know, a lot of other people, you know, he does, he does praise Vando frequently of we play so much better when he plays and he started Jared Vanderbilt for 67 games too. So I'm not, I'm not taking no, away no. from that, but that's the other side of the coin. And it's, it's, it's half the coin too. I agree. But if Jared Vanderbilt had had the start that Jade McDaniels had, he might've gone Okogie. Mm. He might've been banished from the flock for a while. <laughs> Sure. Jade McDaniels had a absolutely rotten eight weeks of the season. And Chris Finch, his response was to tell him, do more. We need you to do more on offense. We don't want you to be a catch and shoot guy. Be the ball player. I know you can be, and I'm going to keep playing you. He played him. He had faith in him. It worked out wonderfully for McDaniels. It made Finch look really good. And I'm not saying if you did the same thing with Vanderbilt that Vanderbilt would have that same kind of blossoming because Vanderbilt, frankly, doesn't have the array of upside skills that McDaniels has. But what I am saying is that Vando earns every minute he gets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, – if you can't shoot, especially if you can't finish at the rim – you better be able to do a lot of other things really well at the time because Finch remembers your misses and he remembers your turnovers. Those are the two things. If you turn the ball over a miss at the rim, yep, big trouble. I I do think we sort of started getting like hints of how Finch will handle that Vanderbilt McDaniels thing next year if another big isn't brought in. I mean. We, we saw Vando in game two, I think, only played nine total minutes. Um, last night in game six, Vando played the first seven minutes of the first half and didn't come back into the game. And those those situations are always where the Wolves are down and, and Finch feels they need offense. And, and that's, you know, that's the button he presses. He feels, you know, they can get out and run more. Jaden can shoot. Of course, he made three threes <laughs> as soon as he checked into the game right. uh, for Vando in the first quarter last night but i and think, didn't stop no he didn't I, mcdaniels had an, an an excellent game but if it is the belief that he cannot as finch said we feel very comfortable with Jaden guarding one through three and some fours right which until, is all accurate which is accurate but until you can stamp that four down there then we are talking about a hack of figuring out that position between him and vanderbilt and quite frankly i in my opinion, I think it's it's too much of a hack because they're too different of players that it, it doesn't it's it's not like more by diversity. It, it's kind of subtraction by diversity because it's 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 a little too different and they don't fill up those cups enough um, just just in their their own way. So it's I still think this team needs to add a second starting big, but, you know. Let's be real about the opportunity cost of that. Part of the opportunity cost of that is your 22-year-old Jared Vanderbilt and 21-year-old Jaden McDaniels. If you do, and we always say the Miles Turner, right? That archetype of right. guy to bring in. Right. You bring in that guy, you are neutering 
that 21 and that 22 year old's minutes to to some extent and to some extent although i do think you just get mcdaniel's back to his normal spot at the 3 mm-hmm. which means that ant goes down to the 2 more often well, you still got two starting point guards out there so well and that's where i think um i think you got to start jade next year if Jaden progresses the way you and I think he should, I think he's the starting small forward, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think Ann is the starting uh, shooting guard, yes. And I think that Pat Bev comes off the bench as a sixth-man spark plug. He won't like it, but he's also in the another one-year contract. Well, and, and also, like, let's say the other side of it, like, I was tamping down the, the trading D'Lo part of it, but that's that's part of the case right. for, for moving on from D'Lo. Or maybe you can make D'Lo be the outgoing piece that brings you in the Miles Turner type of player to be there because we it is it is becoming a, a roster crunch. Let me there. ask you something: since uh, you are the the cap guy, do you think D'Lo has more value as an asset or as a trade expiration? Will he be more valuable next February or will he be more valuable next October? Good question. Um, I think February because because I could see that being a situation where, you know, a team at the trade deadline can convince themselves that they not even convince themselves. A, a team could need get a deal for the playoffs. Yeah. And, and that sounds that doesn't sound as great, given what these playoffs just were. But in a different sort of menu parachuting of in without yeah. a contract. In three weeks, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Dio might play really well. And and then yeah, if you're that team, if you're Philly or something, and right. and, you, and you do that, like, then you you get the, the get a test it there, and you now have thirty million coming off of your books one one way or the other. So I I think actually pretty firmly, um, oddly, Delo's value is only going to increase over the course of the next. 15, 16 months or whatever it, it might be because it is expiring. And I know expiring contracts don't aren't, this isn't like 2006 sure. anymore where teams are all gunning for cap space in that sort of way. But it is it is still flexibility nonetheless. And it's flexibility for this team too. Right. Because if you do trade d out, right, right now or, or at the deadline, um, you're probably taking back a player at similar money for multiple years. So that's a little bit of a negative externality for right. for the wolves to in- incur in, unless in that it's sort of a way. better fit not as good a player but a better fit on the roster yeah it, it, it's i mean it's like a it's like a blown up version of um when they traded james johnson for right. ricky well, let's rubio let's say i mean a guy that most people like a lot better than me is nance mm-hmm. let's say nance was making 18 or something and you I think he's making nine. The, huh? I think he's making nine. Okay, too but. bad. <laughs> but I mean, somebody making. Right, let's, yeah. uh, let's say, and and you included, you know, like floatsome and jetsome of you know another ten million dollars worth of players that you don't care about. Sure. Um, and you had Nance for two years left. That's the kind of deal where you go, okay, you know. I just bring it's it's going to be the Tobias Harris's. It's going to be the Kristaps Porzingis's. Like. Yeah, well, that's, that, that's the thing. It's not even an $18 million But you know player. what, then? Because two guys you just mentioned both make a lot more than D'Lo. 
we would have to figure out something else. Like five or six million more. Yeah. I think they're both like 36 or something like or I know. I know Harris is 36. I actually think Porzingis is very close to, to deal. And I'm not even right. citing those as specific examples. But well, they're both obviously red flag guys, which is why you yeah, get Yeah, but them. like the weird red flags because yeah. they might not be worth 35, but they are worth, worth 18. Yeah, right. right? right you know, right. so and Delo is too. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and so that I'm just saying, like, if you do want to play hypothetical trade right. machine with your friends when you're talking about this, like, you're either getting back one of those red flag guys, right. or you're trying to convince Oklahoma City to just absorb the contract, right. and right. that is not an appetizing proposition no, no. for for this team. So to build out my and I'm you know. I'm not spitballing. I've thought about it a little, but I haven't thought it through a lot. It's comp- It's a complicated topic. But if you had a rotation that was able to fit in a big that could do a little outside shooting and do a little rim protection and reduced Vando's role to four off the bench mm. – Put McDaniel's as a primary three with some four, had Ant as the primary two, D'Lo as the primary one, shading to two with Pat Bev coming in. But then when the deal was made for that, lose D'Lo from the equation, you put in Pat Bev right. and you have J Mac, and you're relying on Ant in that time to increase his play creation to the point where. You are running what a lot of NBA teams run now, which is that your star play creator is essentially your point guard. Do you feel? Your, do you feel he can do best. that? Huh? Do you feel Ant could do that? Not next year. I think Ever? he could. I think he could. Yes. That's leaning a little bit more into the Luca comp. I know, but I mean, I told you that I didn't think he was Luca this year. I know, but the 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 non Luca is that he's just a two and a very good two and a. Starry too, but See, not and a point and the guard. Guy I kept bringing up was Paul George, who does a lot of point guard stuff for the Clippers. I like that one. Ant, I, I was looking it up last night, trying to, you know, put together some questions and stuff for for today, and I just started looking at who assisted to who. Uh huh. Yeah, I know it was a really good. Yeah, I was surprised how low it was that Anthony Edwards only had seven. Ant was surprised too. Yeah, only assisted on seventy-five of Cat's made baskets. But season. you know why? Because they run through Cat. And who gets who who gets to say what they run through first? The point guard. It's just a, I mean, I think they yeah. I, so I guess I'm with you. I think they need to run through Ant more where Cat is involved in the action. And and they play didn't. create play create yeah. And Ant said 75 needs to be at least 200. <laughs> which whew, I mean you know now guess you're what Delos was guess what Delos number of assists to Cat was 200. 131. Oh, 131. Yeah. And that Similar makes sense to me. You know why? Because D'Lo is an equal opportunity passer because D'Lo, what's good and what's bad about D'Lo is he's situational. He is not strategic. I mean, get the ball to a certain guy. D'Lo mm-hmm. gets the ball to the guy who's wide open in the corner. Yeah whoever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he'll pass it to Cat, and he'll sometimes deliberately repost Cat when Cat's, you know, going strong. He's a, He is a point guard, after all. Right. Although I do think it's fascinating, the quote you got from him during the playoffs saying he's a guard, not a point guard, 
a guard. That was interesting, right? He's well. Yeah. I mean, it's just again, it it's times. it's um, it always is incredibly discouraging when a player thinks he's something that if he is that, he's a lot less valuable mm. than what I think he is. Right. You know, and so like, if Delo doesn't think he's a point guard first, in my opinion, his value drops. There's a there's at least 15 guys and probably more like 30 who can be combo guard, leaning, shooting guards right. that are better than D'Lo. Hmm. I don't know how many, I think there's probably 10 to 15 that are passing guards that can really whiz in the half court. Mm-hmm. Just be a guy, boom, boom, boom. I mean, D'Lo's feeds... Yeah, he's a brilliant passer, and he always has been. His pocket passing is superb, um, and why he doesn't lean into that, yep, is a mystery to me, especially with a guy like Cat. And is. why Finch doesn't lean into the pick and roll, but that's a whole other subject. <laughs> uh, let's take uh, let's take one more break here, and then uh, hit on some final spare parts from the exit interviews today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back with Britt Robson, Min Post, uh, for our final segment here. I guess just sort of reflecting on the season, uh, talking about what these, uh, what the players said at their exit interviews today. Um, Gupta said, Finch said, those sort of things. We haven't, we haven't hit on much of what Ant and 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 Kat said in their time, I guess both last night after the game and this morning. Um, so I guess same question to you as I've done the other times. What uh what stood out to you from Ant and or Cat? Well, if you want to contrast the two, <laughs> it is always amazing how well Ant takes the temperature and reads the room of a situation versus how Cat takes the temperature and reads the room of a situation. Carl Anthony Towns is his own worst enemy when it comes to building his brand 
The guy is a warrior on defense this year. His coach continually said it. Um, he really busted his ass on defense this year. He did. He's not a naturally great defender. He turned himself into, at worst, a moderately good defender this year. Agreed. Um, but we to, should remember that. I mean, but oh to listen, God. well, yeah. the one of the reasons we don't is because it gets lost in this verbiage of everything but that kind of stuff. Or if he is giving himself his due, he's doing it in such a way that is too grandiloquent. It is too, um, he doesn't trust the listener to have known what they just saw, you know, or to, right. to, to understand, Hey, we get it on this. You don't have to, you don't have to put seven bows on it and say it's bigger than it is, or be so false modesty about it that you're making it sound like it's insignificant. Just have it be what it is. I mean, what Kat says in four paragraphs loses more people than what Ant says in two sentences. Two words. And that is not something Cat can change. Cat mm -hmm. has changed his play, though, and that is what should be remembered. It's is more important. It is definitely more important. Cat got roasted for 48 hours after game three and put up what, 34 and 14 or whatever it is, as an aggressive guy against those double teams and willed his team to that win, albeit one point at the end. But And I think that if he had a better command of the postgame microphone, that would be enough. But then again, he has a few more postgames, and yeah. people get back into this narrative and... I mean, last night, how could you argue with him thanking everybody from the last fan to his dead mother for everything that's happened to him in his life over the past three years? It's a, it's a saga. It's a great story. But at the end of the day, it's a story we know and it's a story that was re-dramatized at a time when a smaller answer was necessary. Yep. And that's not to criticize Cat. Actually, what I'm trying to do is explain why Cat doesn't get a good look for who he is as a human being and as a ball player. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've covered Carl now for four years you've covered him his entire career and um the what was the word you used grandiloquent yeah the grandiloquent nature of of the way that he speaks is you know become second nature to us who hear it right. every day or every other day and what happened in the playoffs was people were listening to him talk every day every other day not just us right not just timberwolves fans who are you know, consuming Timberwolves content, it was blown up massively to people who had never heard him do that sort of stuff before. And the knee-jerk reaction to that sort of 
way that Carl chooses to express himself. He he shifts codes in his right. in his voice's intonation. He tries to answer the question so as to form the narrative himself, which never actually happened. I mean, all those sort right. of things graded on people that were, were new to Cat. The and, knee-jerk reaction is, you're not all that. Yes. And the reality of the situation is, in many ways, he is kind of all that, but he isn't all that, all that, you know? And also, he doesn't have to be the guy playing the promenade as he walks down the red carpet. Let somebody else play your music <laughs> as you're doing the walk. Don't be the guy who's blowing the horn as you're doing the walking, you know? And it's a shame. I mean, it is a shame that it steps on all the progress he made this year. Um, it's, it's such an interesting thing that of 2022, right? Uh, this would have been different if it was 2002. Right. And there's just, I mean, I saw one video today where he's literally walking off the, the court, like blowing kisses to the fans and waving. And it had this morning when I looked at it, it as over 2 million views. And the, the, the tweet is clowning him for doing that and saying, you know, it's, it's, it's he's treating this like it's Kobe's retirement tour sort of thing well, and he's fit, he he has become a meme. a negative meme for the knee-jerk crowd i mean you know he's a pinata for the bullies right now and um and my woe on this is that he is destined to be i think and so um yeah that's that is you know and and, yeah. and and so I feel like at the end of the day um I essentially tune out cat press conferences the one he had today he got a little bit more into um the nuts and bolts of basketball which you would have been I, better I last it. night but yeah. it was also pretty good I mean, I getting back to the that. subject, talking about Ant and what Ant can do. And as it turns out, Finch said, what you, you, it may have been you who summarized what Kat said yeah. today, this morning. And Finch's response was, that's exactly the conversation I had with Ant on the exit interview. Mm. So Kat's dead on there. Nuts and bolts basketball. He was saying, you know, this is what needs to progress. And he talked he talked about chase actions. He loves to let people know that he likes and appreciates the science of basketball, which you and I obviously appreciate, too. Oh, yeah. And he gives us respect for talking about the inside of the game. I mean, there's so I, many I like covering Carl Anthony Towns a lot. I, I really do. Right. I, I really cherish it because... Right. He is one of the best players in the NBA. Uh, he treats me. He treats you with respect. I think he a lot of times respects our opinions, actually, right. exactly. I, or the, the, the questions on on what we're saying. So, I, I mean, I get frustrated with some of the well. The, you the, have the to stuff react. Too. You have to give him honest feedback. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat. That's the thing. I mean, I do think he knows though that 
with us, maybe not with media broadly, but the people in that room that are there every day, I think he knows where we're coming from with with our with our lines of, of questioning. And so it's just and, know, we have a good relationship with Carl. at the end of the day, I don't have any choice. I mean, I've ripped cat more than anybody in the media, I think. I like to think that I am very specific in how I rip. And what I just got through talking about, I mean, I said it sorrowfully, but those were not kind words I just said about Kat, but they were honest words. I mean, that's all I can do. This guy is the best player on my beat. You know, it may not be so true in two years, but it's true now. And so... I need to reflect my honest reactions to what he plays like, what he talks like, how those things differ, what is effective, what is not effective, what is insignificant and what is important. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, whether Cat needs to thank everybody on the last day of the season when his team just lost yet another fourth quarter collapse is not significant to the greater scheme of things. No, it's not. I mean, if I heard it for the first time, I might say, ooh, you know, that's a that's an odd take from the team's best player. Do we have to worry about that? No, we don't, because that's who Cat is. Right. You know, and it's not like he's not wobbling in the moment. He is being himself in the moment and he'll go out and play like he always plays. Yeah, it's it is it it will always be the nature of of him because it is his nature um that that that's the way you know he, he carries himself and i don't think there's there's definitely ways to like knock off some rust of that there's there's ways to knock off some rust of his basketball game obviously i've talked at nauseum about his inability to really handle double teams right this season there there's kind of like an idea, what Carl will be 27 next year, I believe. Yeah. Is that right? Or maybe um, even 28. I don't know. It'll be his eighth year. 26 right now. Yeah. Um, it is not hyperbolic or homey or anything to say that Carl Anthony Towns could have his best season of his career next year. Like, right. And, and maybe even. Finch believes it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that is what I was going to say. It's like to all the, the jibber jabber about Cat. An important factor is, I think, authentically, Chris Finch does not care. He right. he cares that Carl Anthony Towns plays like a top ten player in the league. Right. That that is that is Carl's job description in in Chris's mind, and I think Carl is probably like the fifteenth best player mm-hmm. in the, in this season. Which doesn't mean he didn't do his job. He didn't do his job completely, and and that's what next year is. Right. Right. And right. and you can put a better roster around him right. to foster that continuity will foster that experience of a playoff series and the fire that that provides will foster that but um i do believe this is this is only the beginning uh for carl right and and i would bet that next year if and when they go to the playoffs he has a better playoff series right next season and let's take the flip side of the sentimentality of cat um It's pretty reliable that he'll be back. Yeah. He said so last night, pretty much. Um, pretty much. He could be a problem. He could be, hey, you know, right. I want, uh, this is what I want. If you're going to have me back, you know, I, I want, uh, I want to 
not practice every other road game. I, I think the even better like uh, analogy or, or, or thing to point to is is that he could hold the leverage of not having not signing the contract immediately, so as to you know force some. In theory, he could force right. some KG stuff. Give, give me Troy Hudson. Give me right. Mike James. Right. Give me right. give me those give me those sort of things. And I don't think we have really any indication that that's Carl's. And at the mean, end of the but, day, the one that always makes me laugh is we should trade D'Lo, but wait a minute now. That might really bug Cat. Get out of here. It's not going to happen. Cat um, was as close to Ryan Saunders as a player and a coach can be. And when Ryan got fired in a not pretty way and Chris Finch came in, Cat sucked it up, took Finch on his own terms, and immediately appreciated the upgrade that Finch provided. Cat is about trying to make it work here. Cat's main goal is to win with the like sidebar of that boosting He's his always been yeah. a loyal Timberwolf. He's the guy. He is the real heir to KG. He's the guy that brought this franchise up. And I would go so far as to say, and a lot of people have asked me this out of town. People often say to me, if this becomes Ant's team in two years, how's Cat going to deal with that? And my response generally is he will find a way to embrace it. It may be from an angle that mm-hmm. rationalizes things, but Cat will make it work. Yeah, it would shock me if there was ever Like a rivalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, exactly. Just, exactly. Not, and that, it, it's not let's who face it, is, that's... For sure. For all this talk about, you know, cats this or cats that, or cat, cat is and a you want to say he's soft or malleable or a pussy or so on and so forth. Um, I don't. No, Finch oftentimes says, you know, you want to talk about somebody soft just because they, they score a lot or they, they're a finesse right. player. They have skills, you know. I mean, they're not they, they don't have to resort to punching you in the mouth. Um, so that's Finch's approach. The other way to look at it is. It could be regarded as soft that instead of saying, no, God damn it, we're going to do it this way and this way and this way. You say, OK, mm. I can work with that. Right. You know, if you have a star that does that, who says, OK, you know, you're bringing in a new coach, even though my guy is on his way out. I'll try to make that work. The point guard who I famously said I wanted to play with, if he's not working out and you can't offer him an extension or whatever. I don't think that's going to be a huge problem. A guy even who's a number one overall pick that I've already now said is the most talented player I've ever played with and is somebody really special, I am not going mm. to chafe and go after that guy or somehow claim supremacy. I may say that I have greased his flight path to greatness, <laughs> yeah. but I will not say I can't have this. I need to be on a team where I am the alpha guy. He he is totally labeled as this volatile character, and 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 on court, of course, you do see volatility right. from Carl. But but in the grander scheme of the organization and the big picture, he is very much a steadying force right. in, in all of this. I mean, Carl for the season was the most consistent player 
on the team, and it's not, not even, even close. close. It's not, not even close. It's, right. it's not even close. I at mean, all. if you look at the sign waves a month to month, or or yeah. post the pre All Star or whatever, all that stuff, Cat is just right there. At it's the high why level. it's so crazy when he only shoots four shots and has nine points because you're like, what? I've actually never seen that. You know, <laughs> right, right. And and yeah, a lot of bad or a lot of good players have bad nights like that. Right. Carl doesn't have that many of them. Now he had too many of them in the playoffs, I right. think. But broadly, and that's a trend. Yeah, right. that is. That is. But but broadly, Carl is a highly efficient player, right. uh, highly consistent, and very clearly, in my opinion, has room to grow. Right. Like low-hanging fruit. And Finch thinks, especially on defense. Now, again, you mm-hmm. know, gets into the, I use the word sinew, and he decided to have fun with it <laughs> as a way to dodge the question. But um, eventually did, I think, kind of accept the idea that, Mm-hmm. Um, you need, you need a banger around. You know, I've, I've said it all the time. Vando is a good compliment for him, but yeah. only in one defense. Mm-hmm. And you need more versatility. If this team is going to take the next step, they are going to need to get a big who can shoot and who can protect the rim in a manner that, um, you know, is is better than what they have now. And it's not Jade McDaniels as much as I love him. We no. saw what happened when Jackson needed a bucket with McDaniels on him. He got his buckets. Put it on his head, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and it's a lot. Yeah, that's a lack of brawn and Sanu. Nothing uh, you can do about it. Yeah. Nothing, I mean, Jade McDaniels is as competitive as the next guy. Did you see that stare down after Ooh. the dunk? <laughs> See, it's one that's of my favorite a, moments of the playoff. That's a, a, a thousand words with no words, you know? I, yeah, I love that about I love that about Jaden. Uh, do we miss anything? Probably, but we'll get it next time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, th- that's a that's actually a good way of saying. It. Like, I'm gonna keep bugging Britt to to come on and talk. You know, through the NBA playoffs, we're obviously gonna hit a a Wolves lull here for a we while. We may be missing Celtics Bucks as we speak. No, no, no. It's not today. It's it, there's no games today. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's not. It's not till Sunday. I actually right. love it's that. Tomorrow at one I'm, p.m. As soon as I hit stop recording on this. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> I'm doing nothing for the rest of the day. Um, but at, at Britain, I was serious. It's like, I, I really do appreciate you coming on this throughout the season. I know My everyone um, listening does as well. I think we play off of each other and uh, sure. it's been, it's been super fun for me to, to do these conversations through the year. And yes, very much to listeners. Not a, not a goodbye from us. Uh, pod's not going anywhere. I actually, I'm. I don't feel like I've dug into this, the first round of this playoffs as much as I obviously normally would because we've been so distracted you know, it by the Wolves. Chalk, the high seed won every time. Yeah, not I don't even remember particularly the last close. time that happened. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it never. No one went longer than six. Well, maybe I'll put you on what, on the spot right now. What do you What are you thinking for for the playoffs? Celtics, Suns. That'd be fun. Those are just your two favorite teams. No, I actually, I, I actually. Well, now Memphis has dropped if, in your pecking order. If Chris Middleton hadn't gotten hurt, mm. I might have gone Bucks. I, I do not respect the Sixers or the Heat enough to pick them. Although I respect what the Heat are doing, and I respect Spolstra, I respect Bam. I just don't. I, I think that team is destined to be a con, like uh, the Brad Doherty. Cavs or you know the Utah Jazz with Stockton Malone, a team that is very good that almost gets there and never gets there. That's what I feel about the Heat. About the Heat and and the Celtics. I mean everything that 
Brad Stevens. Remember when I was ripping Brad Stevens for going upstairs? I mean, getting Tice and getting uh, White from San Antonio, mm. they are so deep, and they they play the right way. I mean, it's going to be fascinating. If the Bucks had Middleton, it would be my favorite series of the year, I think. But I think that the Celtics have a little bit too much. They have Giannis will be the best player in the series, but I think that Celtics have more quantity of quality than the Bucks do. You know what I was getting ready to do what? was uh, zag into really believing in the Sixers. I was I was getting ready to. Um, well, and you know there is a world out there, but now the Embiid face yeah. fracture. I mean. I think I was just like reading some like injury specialist guy, you know, talking about it. And they have said indefinite, uh, you know, window to, to, for when he can out indefinitely, which kind of sounds like the rest of the season. But it, it seems like it's not going to be that if they if somehow, you know, Harden could lead them to through this round over not the, against heat. the heat. Yeah, I know. It's or or like team to try to have Harden. Ready to I, I know. That's why I'm not. That's right. why I, I can't. Because Jimmy that. will lock up Harden. Um, and what when he gets past Jimmy, Bam is there. Oh well, and they and they can just effectively switch five. So yeah, if, if yeah. you go Harden centric offense, that's yeah. just gonna be yeah, that's yeah. just gonna be tough. But yeah, um, yeah I, I I again, like I said, I'm, I'm excited I didn't even to know dig about in. Embiid. When did that happen? It got reported last night. Oh okay, um, that's like why. right. It was like right when the Wolves game was starting. Oh, okay, I, I, I think. Yeah, uh, I didn't see it. So I, I mean. There's speculation on if it's a couple weeks or a couple but months. But even if Harden was, I mean, if Embiid was there, I mean, there is a world where they do that. But let's face it, what you're talking about there is beating the Heat, beating yeah. either the Bucks or the <laughs> Celtics, and then beating whoever comes out of the West. Who I would say, if it yeah. isn't the Suns, it would either, I think the Warriors Mavs series, no, no, I'm sorry, it's going to be the Suns and the Mavs. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a that's not going to be easy for no. the Suns, especially if Booker's not 100% and Luka is better, you know. Um, I mean, these eight teams left are crazy good. I yeah, mean, it's, it's, good. It's, it's nuts that the Wolves should be in this mix. Yeah. I mean, they would be the eighth of, of those eight right. teams. A but, as is Memphis, probably. Yeah, I would. I mean, you know, now, yeah. I mean, I've finally conceded to the idea that you've said all along that the Warriors are better than the Grizzlies and... I have to grudgingly, just the way they just have demolished Denver. I mean, they let Denver hang around. There are different ways to look at series. You know, there could be really competitive five-game series, and there could be jokish, pardon the pun, five-game <laughs> series. And I think that uh, Golden State kind of clowned Denver in that right. five games. Um, but, and I know we're turning this into a second pod, and we'll, I'll get off it in a minute. Um <laughs> Fitch's description of Memphis, wasn't that brilliant? Mm -hmm. That, you know, they get out in transition, they score at the rim, and they rebound. Yep. And he said those are the most efficient ways to score. And that's how they win without shooters. You look at that roster and you go, well, it's what the Wolves did this year. I believe, I mean, off the top of my head, seventh by the end of the season, I think, an offensive rebounding rate, the Wolves were. Right, right. Um, what was the other one? Oh, turnovers, turnovers, second, right. which lead to you know Tran lead to transition, transition frequency. But then they also rebound. 
see Phoenix rebound. I mean, uh, I Memphis that, rebounds both ways. That's it, it's 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 interesting because it's not just about pushing those three buttons, right? Because the Wolves can push those buttons, but when they do push those buttons with this roster as currently constructed, they can't handle the. They the don't other have any of margin of error. Yes, and that, that is, I mean, if if Ann had had the series Morant had, it might have been a sweep. Mm. Uh, and Jackson, if if Cat had come close to having as bad a series as Jackson had, it definitely would have been a sweep. Right. You know, uh, Desmond Bain won that series for him, and Brandon Clark was a close second, and. Coming into the series, you would have thought that's the third option and like the seventh option, you know. Are you gonna be writing? Tomorrow? Yeah, I'll probably write something on some of what we talked about. You know, just uh, I really don't know how it'll be, and I don't know if I'll write tomorrow or I'll write early in the week. It's um, the beat guys. I've been I've been feeling not great about what I've been writing for Minpost, partly because of the the. You don't have you don't have much playoff experience. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The rapidity of it, although I have more than all the other beat writers. God damn it! I mean, I was around for that 0304 run. It's the only one of us. <laughs> I was twelve. <laughs> right, but I'm just—it's a little bit too much gamer kind of analysis for me, rather than you know just taking bigger pictures or even just isolating three things. Just, but now is a good time for the big picture. I think so. And so that's what I'm saying. It can run any time, and I don't really know how yeah. I want to do it. But I think that I would be tempted to kind of relive game six a little bit and relive these press conferences a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that should be my next column or not because I've been kind of doing that. And what I'm really doing is even if I might optimistically think I'm adding something much different than what guys like Krasinski and Frederick are doing, I'm still in their chemtrails in terms of subject matter. Mm. And so whenever I see it hit the page, you know, my people who read me have been great. They've been supportive, but I'm feeling like um, I'm not uh, delivering the distinctive copy that I usually deliver. So I don't know how it'll go. You know, it may, it may just be that, um, you know, and I've been writing twice a week and I've been writing off game situations and that's never been necessarily what I do. So I wanted to do it because it was the playoffs. Well, it, it's also a long season. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th this this series was a beatdown um, from a just a coverage right. standpoint. Well, I skipped game five, unlike yeah. you guys who... That may be a smart move on your part. <laughs> through. I saw it on my TV. Oh, uh, yeah, that was... I am very glad I'm not getting on an airplane to Memphis today. <laughs> and I would to have be been like a third of the way to Memphis by now. <laughs> <laughs> In my rental car. A third. And you would have left a long time ago. <laughs> exactly. uh, all right, Britt. Uh, thank you again uh, for doing this. Uh, I'll, I'll bug Britt to talk about the playoffs probably sometime uh, next week. Read whatever it is that you. Right, that you right. <laughs> whatever happens this week. <laughs> whatever you come across um, there. But again, again, thank you for doing this. Always read. Britt's work at MinPost. Support them uh, there. Follow them on Twitter at Britt Robson. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Again, thank you. I did a bunch of thank yous last night too, but uh, this might be the last time you're listening to a Wolves podcast for a little while, so I just do want to say uh, thank you for uh, supporting the show throughout the entire year. But we're not going anywhere. I'll be back 
to talk to you early next week. Till then, he's Britt, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.